0: In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep step into a realm of koigyu, casting, and kunnons. Okay, people. Get your geek.
1: It's October 8th, 2011, and you're listening to episode 13, take 2, of the Knit One Geek 2 Podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And tonight we're podcasting from our podcast studio, powered by an a Mac microphone and a Mac computer. An angsty Mac computer. Yeah. I, I thought earlier when I mentioned that it was episode 13 to Maggie, and I said lucky 13, that I maybe shouldn't have said that because it would screw th- something up later. And uh, yeah, as I said, this is take two because we happened to look over and saw that somehow the microphone had stopped recording, and we had no idea when it had exactly stopped, so we have to start over. It's upset. But let's start off with Adventures in Knitting. Sure! (laughs) I'll go first again this time, because I don't have a whole hell of a lot of different projects to talk about, or new projects, because it has been quite the week. There was work, and then there was friend visiting, and driving all over the place, and more work, and not a hell of a lot of sleep. So I've been sticking to easy projects. So, I'm almost done with the Severus socks. I cast off one sock, the other sock has about two more rows, which are pretty plain, and then I cast those off, and then I need to pick up stitches for the little white cuff that goes on the inside, right. And the severus are from the the toe up, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, so those are almost done. It'll depend on when I actually get off my ass and wind the white yarn and then actually go through the task of picking up the stitches. Hopefully before Halloween, because
2: I think those would be cool.
1: Yeah, no one would probably see them, because chances are I'll be wearing my fancy boots. That's okay, they're still there. But, yeah, I know they're there. With the little skull buttons or something like that. <laughs> skull and snake buttons. Yeah. Too bad someone, nobody probably makes any dark mark buttons. You
2: know what? It's the internet.
1: It could be there. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone I could convo on Etsy. But because those have been almost done, they haven't Really been very good travel knitting or take to knit night knitting. Because I, pa- I would need the pattern and or I would get to a point where I'd have to finish them midway through being on the bus right. or knit night. So obviously I need something else. So because I was brain dead for much of the week, I brought out some of my, what I call my tiny stitches of doom socks. Because often for what I do for, for very fine fingering weight yarns, what I'll often do is I'll get a pair of two millimeter needles and I'll just start working them in stockinette. And they're just a backup project yeah. for four times like this when I don't have the brain to work on a more complicated project project, but I'm at a stage with another project where I need to do something with a pattern or, you know, it's just before knit night and I really need something to work on. Right. So I just grab them and go. And these ones are made from a yarn that was hand-dyed by a dyer called Dyed by Design from the UK. It is this, British yarn. This yarn has traveled across the ocean. It is very British yarn, actually, because it's actually made from Blueface Lester Sheep from Yorkshire. Yay! Where the dyer lives. And it was bought at, by my mother during her last trip to England last year when... She was in York from a store called Ram Shambles. and it's a yarn store that's in an area of York called the Shambles, which is this little street which has these really old buildings, like medieval, dragon alley style. My my history lessons are failing me with the, the actual <laughs> period, but it, it looks so historic. It's been used in movies and things like that. That's for cool. filming because it looks. That's period. So cool. I'm so glad. That's so the amazing like that's thing. Still around. That's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. Us colonials would just sort of blow our minds when we go to England. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this place looks like it's from the 1600s. And it is, it is. from the 1600s. Yeah. Um, there are
2: cathedrals in that country that are older than, you know, the so-called...
1: Than the know, first settlement yeah. in our country. Well, first European settlement. Yeah, first I European settlement. Anyway, but these ones are really cool. One of the reasons I'm doing these in plain stockinette stitch is not just because it's very fine yarn and I just want to, you know, go around and around and not think, but also because it's self-striping. But the stripes... Are semi-solid. They're not like just solid stripes. I mean, they're, generally they're sort of yellow and sort of a, a dark green, but there's also a little sort of thread of red that goes through, and as it crosses the yellow stripe, it goes sort of orangey or stays mm-hmm. mostly red. It and goes as it kind goes, of rust. It goes kind of, yeah, and it goes kind of dark brown when it hits the green, and, and each of those colors is very mottled and, again, it's, it's sort of semi pretty. It's They're semi-solid. all very
2: autumn colors. It's very pretty. Yeah,
1: it's a very autumn color sock, which is why I picked this one up this week to work on for a while.
2: And what I what I especially like about that yarn is that the stripes aren't thin stripes each each stripe of color is about three rows long.
1: Yeah, three or four rows depending on where it ends. Or three or four rows wide, I guess we should say. Yeah. The only problem is (laughs) I have not been able to find anything on the (laughs) internet about this dyer. They have no web presence. I don't even know if they're still dying. I emailed the store and didn't get a response. I probably should double check that I actually sent it to the right email address. Because I'm so tired. They're not in the database on Ravelry, so I don't even know if they're still dying. You have Fairy yarn. Yes. Rare yarn. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're in the UK, either as one of our UK listeners or if you're visiting the UK, you can keep an eye out for this stuff. But I have no idea where you might find it other than the one store where my mother got it. And I have no, like I said, I have no idea if they're even still dying. I hope they are because it's gorgeous. And my mother's going back. What was the name of the dyer again? Died by Design. I only could find, like, two or three posts in all of the Ravelry forums wow. about this dyer, too. The internet is a strong force the listeners will find them. Yeah. Yeah, but it would be nice if they're still dying cuz my mother's going back to the UK in November. So you know, this could be on my Christmas list. Oh, and the one other thing is finally yesterday after I had had a chance to sleep for a while, I spent a little while working on the viper pilot socks. Uh-huh. And I finished another viper motif and I'm actually going to try them on right now so I can see exactly how far down they go.
2: They're so sparkly. I can't get over that every time I see them. So sparkly
1: like a thousand tiny Many diamonds. diamonds drink. Hmm. Okay. The sock is just about at the ball of my, like the bottom of the ball of my foot. So... hmm. Is that cutting it close for another viper? For everybody
2: else out there, Karen is staring at this sock that is on her foot still with the needles and the sock and her are having a conversation.
1: I just can't hear it. Yeah. Actually, I should probably leave it there. Because stretching the bottom of the foot as though the toe was on it and was pulling the, f- the sock out a little lengthwise, okay. it would probably be too short to get another viper in. Okay. Better safe than sorry. Especially because even if I did, I would immediately have to start like decreasing like crazy. Or somehow figure out how to do the decreases while, while the doing viper was the di- viper. On. So, and that would be just bad. So <sighs> I think I will start the toe on this
2: soon. You had
1: better wear those to knit night when you finish them. Oh, hell yes. Are you nuts? <laughs> I'm going to be like, bitches, look at my socks. <laughs> I'll be wearing, like, my little flat Mary Jane so everyone can see them, even if there's, like, five inches of snow on the ground by that time. <laughs> be like, I slipped six times coming over here, and I'm soaked head to foot. But, bitches, look at my socks. And only knitters would really understand. Yeah. But those are, that's the first sock. I haven't cast on the second sock yet because I figured if I cast on the second sock, I'd only be able to get to the end of the cuff. And then I have to start tracking where I am in the pattern again. Right. And there's no way I'm doing two post-it notes on that thing to try and figure out where I am. I figured I'd just do one at a time. But that's pretty much been me. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff I need to start. Mm. Like a stole I'm doing for my mother, which I think she might want for when she goes to England. In about a month and a bit, so um, I need to get started. It's fingering weight, though. Yeah, it's fingering weight. Fingering weight, and she's very short. So and you're good. At, it will be nowhere near as long as you're mine. You're good at knitting shawls and stoles really fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have experience knitting them. I, yes, I have experience knitting them, and I have experience with the oh dear God, must finish sort of crackitude. So <laughs> crackitude. <laughs> I would have started tonight, but I took a look at the pattern. And I'm like, Eww, I don't think I want to be trying to figure this out on the bus. Oh, and just one another little thing, actually. Something that I did start on the bus on the way here. Today Maggie and I went to the Needle Emporium in Ancaster and I got some of the collage square DPNs because I'd mentioned on a previous podcast about being interested in the square needles but not being sure about the joins on the circulars and there was a couple of people that private messaged me on Ravelry or mentioned on the podcast thread that yeah they have the circulars and the joins are a pain in the butt so I think I would pass on those. So I got the DPNs and I've just started a sock from the top down with some yarn that I dyed a weeks ago when I did the one the yarn that I dyed for the nameless brainless socks. Right. And this is just leftover dye from when I did the Potion Master stole. So it's in green, black, and Potion gray. Master socks. Yeah. So far I really like the square ones, though I'm still getting used to wearing using DPNs again. They had the cubics, the Knitter's Pride cubics right. at the store in the DPNs. The only problem is the Knitter's Pride cubics are in wood and I have snapped yeah. wooden DPNs. DPNs before not bamboo ones, but the Lantern Moon, which I got as a gift. Snap! Two of them. That's Um, painful. Because I tend to be a slightly tight knitter. And as I mentioned on the first version of the podcast that we recorded, I'm using the Harmony Circulars for my tiny stitches of doom socks. Yeah. And I'm using the two millimeter needles. And I've noticed that with wooden needles, the fabric ends up being a, like if I'd used another size up. So in this case, it'd be more like 2.25 millimeter needles. So you literally take it easy on the wood. Yeah. I think it's because it's a sort of an automatic that reaction. That sounds dirty. Because just, but anyway. It's because the needles flex okay. more. So because they flex, I'm kind of leery of tugging quite as hard, I think. As on the metal ones which I have actually warped from using so much because I'm afraid that if I pull too hard they're gonna snap but yeah so instead today I got the collage ones which are metal and so far it's going far I've only got a little bit of the cuff I had originally started this as toe up but I did the magic cast on and then tried to knit the first row and because the needles are square they sit so much closer together that it's really hard <laughs> to get the needle in for the magic cast on and when what well, if you get the needle in to get the loop back through. So you're not only doing a top down and you're
2: also doing it on DPN. This is I know this totally, is so old school, man. This is totally out of your el-
1: well, not your element, but totally backwards for you. Yeah. Well, this is how I used to do all my socks like years ago. So this is kicking it old school, yo. <laughs> and then dear listeners, the microphone crapped out again. Twice. So we pick up yet again with Maggie this time. Alright. So is this take 3.5 or take 4?
2: No, this is officially take 4. And um, I'm starting to wonder if it's now my voice that's cursed. Alright, let's get through this. The Happy Socks of Peace Transformation are done. I can't show them to you because they're... Well, actually, I can show them to you now, can't I? Yes.
1: Eh. Because the microphone is not sitting on the box. Open says me. One, two. Two Two socks. Uh, 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 uh drink, Okay.
2: They Okay, the ends have not been sewn in, but, you know. <laughs> big deal. Big
1: deal. I have socks I made four months ago, but the ends haven't been sewn in yet. Happy
2: socks of peace transformation. Done. I did tell everybody last podcast that I was going to Pioneer Day in Jordan, and while I was there, it was a fantastic day, by the way, it was a beautiful fall day. So while in Jordan, I stopped off at the local yarn store there called Stitch, and the intent was to come back with sock yarn for me that I was going to use to make socks in Socktoberfest, right? Yep. So I picked up because I've never knit with this before, and I'm still making the rounds trying to find all of the producers, you know, the yarn companies that I haven't knit with yet. Yep. So this is Looit Gems. Ooh. It is the merino wool super fine, and the colorway name because that's always important to me <laughs> is Blue Lake lot 11 and visually it looks like a not quite navy but a cobalt or a dark blue and a light a lavender purple yeah it looks
1: like it's two plies one is a dark blue one is purple
2: and they are and wound around each around other, each other. like a barber is, pole yeah and this is the first time that I've used anything that looks like that Now following master Karen's advice, I am making socks for myself and I'm making them on needles that I got this week in the mail. These are my harmony needles. I'm finding that the join on mine is just a little bit on the annoying side. And I don't know if that's just because I'm not used to it, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I'm giving it a little bit of time for me to get used to it. I have frogged these things, Three times so far because each time either something's happened with the stitches or they were too big and I've shrunk them and I was advised today they were again too big.
1: Yeah, because Maggie pulled them out of her purse as we were driving to Ancaster and they look kind of big and the fabric is kind of loose. And so I actually tried putting them on my foot and they were a little loose on my feet. So, yeah. I wear a size 10.
2: And I wear a five and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, I was advised that they were too big. I guess I just don't know what the definition of snug fit is.
1: No. Something you have to figure out I guess trial and error. So, anyways, that is my goal
2: for October, is to figure out a good sock fit for me. I have not done anything with the Celtic Stole. I am not ready. It has not moved since the podcast last week. It's still there in a pile on my desk. If all goes well, because we have a long weekend this weekend for Canadian Thanksgiving, if all goes well, I may approach it on Monday. If the weekend becomes trying or troublesome, because we do have a four-year-old these things happen. I'm not going to go into surgery on that day. Surgery will have to be postponed.
1: And it can be postponed for
2: a while. Yeah. But I did cast on the second handsome mitten. I'm even into the chart, so I'm past the cuff into the chart. Yay! Uh, yeah. That's me for Adventures in Knitting.
1: We're calling this segment Geek News this week because there is really not much squee, especially with the first segment. Of course, the biggest geek event this week is that Steve Jobs passed away, which tons of people on the internet have already mentioned exactly how huge his impact has been on technology and culture, which is kind of amazing to think about because, I mean, you think about, it's not just technology, but like Think of the music industry and how much that has changed. And now that's being used as sort of a prior case for distribution of movies and TV shows and e-books and everyone comparing it to how the music industry has had to deal with iTunes and... Admin Monkey would like to speak. Admin Monkey is our human mic holder for the moment.
0: (laughs) No, Miramax, Their president of Miramax, actually stated that iTunes is more of a more of an issue with digital distribution than piracy, and it's causing problems.
1: Okay, that's not um, a positive addition. No, but it's a big, it's certainly a big effect on the on the culture. Though. Yeah,
0: no, it's a big effect on the culture. It's not necessarily positive, but it's it's one person's opinion okay. about the fact that digital distribution channels such as iTunes um, are having a worse impact cause. There's no competition.
1: And that's one thing that I've seen when I've been looking at articles about digital distribution of eBooks or the things. A lot of times people have, have said one of the reasons, especially with eBooks, things are in so much flux right now is because there is no iTunes for them. Like nothing has, even the Kindle hasn't quite gotten to that level where you have, to, you just have to deal with the way this company is doing it. Or you don't have a seat at the table.
0: They say that iTunes needs competition to keep it from being a monopoly. Yeah. And literally being able to be the voice that says yes or no to something.
1: Yeah, but just too, the, the model. A
2: lot of people will have their opinion of Apple itself,
1: mm-hmm. but you gotta admit the guy was visionary. Oh, God, yeah. He was amazing.
0: He, yeah. He I remember
1: was, seeing one of the, the recent news articles as people saying that basically he invented or created things that people didn't know they needed.
0: Yeah. It was, yeah, it was him and Wozniak. And Jobs had a vision. Wozniak was the implementation tool.
1: Yeah, and I mean, now we have this whole mm-hmm. new category of devices, including the iPad. Mm-hmm. Sort of a mix between, you know, smartphones and personal computers. computers. Yeah. yeah. Can you think
2: of, you know, just personal technology between today and five years ago, or today and ten years ago. It's almost catastrophic the difference. Yeah, I don't know if catastrophic. Moore's law. Is
0: it Moore's law? Uh, Back in the fifties, I can't remember if it's stated that technology will double in advancement every two years. And he stated that back in the mid fifties, and it has been almost dead on.
2: So when are we scheduled
0: for flying cars? That's a different sort of technology, but (laughs) 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 no, they actually do have working models, but they cost like. Two point something million dollars.
1: See, that's not functional technology. Plus, plus with the ways people drive on the, hi- drive on the highways in two dimensions right now, I'd just know be happier you with you know more green cars. Yeah,
2: I agree. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I don't think anyone can question just how much impact Steve Jobs has had on technology and greater culture. And especially one thing that a lot of people have said is just, just imagine what else he might have come up with.
2: Yeah, I mean he was young, uh, and I'm sure he's listening to the podcast now <laughs> because Heaven has great reception. All <laughs> the the best Wi-Fi uh, anywhere. Probably wherever he is, the you know the all-knowing state of the universe that he's in now. Yes, he probably gets great reception right now. So Steve we have
0: Airport Express.
2: We. <laughs> you. You are... The salute you. We, you are missed, and we hope that somehow, someday, uh, we'll someone will be able to follow in your footsteps and perhaps come along and make more of the genius that you've bestowed upon us. So all of the things that you could have done for us in the future, we hope that somehow you will fire future Someone heaps. else. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wish his family the best, because this has got to be a heart... Because It's not just a death in the family. Yeah. It's a famous death, and everywhere... A
1: very public.
2: Yeah, and and everywhere they look and go right now, they're constantly reminded. Not just of, you know, there are probably billboards all over.
1: Well, I've seen images online of memorials that have sprouted up at Apple stores. Yeah, And I think at a lot of Apple stores, they have... I know one Apple store I saw a picture of, basically there was like the front of the Apple store. It had been sort of the, the entrance was this big square that had been shrouded in black, and just in the middle there was the Apple logo in white, shining out in light. And people had left flowers and tons of post-it notes. You could write post-it notes and put them on sort of the memorial.
2: Okay. Okay, this is not a sad cast. We are happy for everything that Steve has left us.
1: Yes. There's really no way to neatly segue into this. Because usually when people in the news try and do that, it just ends up horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. So let's move on to some of the happier or other, you know, okay. not as sad, geeky news of, from this week.
2: I'm going to I'm going to move from sad into what the heck kind of news. Yeah. In the electronic ebook field, Barnes and Noble has pulled all of their DC material from their shelves in their physical brick and mortar stores. Now, this all developed out of last week's reveal. This, the Amazon Kindle Fire, has not been released to the public yet. It has been revealed, as in, this is what's happening, and this you is what it does. You can pre-order. You can pre-order. You can't hold it yet. They haven't even allowed reporters to hold it yet. But the thing is that at the same time, they made a deal with DC Comics to sell all of those comics on the Amazon Kindle Fire. Well, Barnes & Noble has a bit to say about this because they were not given said ability.
1: Yeah, and they have their own horse in this race with the Nook right. e-reader.
2: So they have done what has been described as an scorched earth policy, where they've just decided to not essentially take their ball and go home, but they have removed all of the DC material from their brick-and-mortar stores. And that was as a result of an email that went out throughout the company, I think within 24 hours after the Kindle fire
1: was introduced. Admittedly, I did see a lot of the pub- publicity from this I've seen is from Neil Gaiman, and he did read retweet something earlier tonight from someone who actually works at Barnes and Noble as a bookseller and that person said that their manager had been told apparently not to pull it off the shelves just yet but again source is someone on Twitter so who knows what is going on at this point whether it's a, a move to try and get DC to pay attention to them, or if they're actually going to pull everything off the shelf as of, like, Monday. <laughs> but yes, we'll have to see if, we'll have to see if that <laughs> like changes. Of course, you <laughs> know, one thing I've seen is, I also saw retweeted something from Powell's, the bookstore in Portland, that says, hey, we've got all of DC's stuff. Yeah, this,
2: this <laughs> is going to go over well for a lot of other, other people. Some of these staff probably see it as very short-sighted, and it will still be available online. Yeah. It's just, that some members of management or somebody somewhere has decided that as a, I guess, a retaliation movement, they are not stalking DC. And we'll just have to see where that leads. Moving on to other electronic type stuff, as in the electric sheep. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We were mentioned on the Electric Sheep podcast, and she was so, so nice. We were described as ladies. Did you know that? Since when, man? There you go. But anyways, we want to send a big hug and thank you out because she gave us a really great review. And, by the way, if you've never heard of or have never listened to The Electric Sheep, you have to, if only, just to listen to her accent and hear her talk. It's
1: beautiful. (laughs) Though I should mention, her essays are also usually really interesting. I love especially the ones that she does about sort of British culture. Mm -hmm. You really have to go back and listen to all her past episodes, too, because they're just wonderful. Yeah. And we love her. I have been listening to her for a long time, so this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I
2: was listening to it and she got to the part about us and I just started sort of flailing. Okay. Uh, This little tidbit came via the... Electric Sheet podcast of that same episode. A because I think the handle of Deadly Knitshade is totally awesome. Yes. So I want to pimp this website of www.whodunit.com and as in who done knit.
1: Yeah, it's w h o d u n n k n i t dot com and this is Deadly Shade's site. She
2: is a graffiti knitter. As in, you know, not, I think we call them yarn
1: bombings over yeah. here.
2: She catalogs all of hers, including one of my favorites, which
1: was a full-size giant squid. Yeah. And she's involved in Stitch London, which is yeah. a group that does yeah. yarn bombings in London.
2: I think, I mean, she's got lots of projects on the go. She's. It's just been a book that's been released, and yeah. that's available now in the stores, right? Because you said you saw it. Yeah, I saw it in chapters. You can knit your own little London.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's so cute. They actually have a little kit in the book so you can knit your own Cooey the Pigeon. Yes, I, saw, I heard about that. <laughs> Another pattern is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the t- basically a tube mouse, like the mice that That's live right, in, that the in, in the subway. System.
2: Oh, my God. So you'll have to check out the website and her catalog of her graffiti knitting, and if you're interested in it, check out the book. It should be available in bookstores everywhere now. And I just want to throw in... A little side note, I started watching, um, well, I can't say I, my husband and I have started watching Billy Connolly's Route 66. Now, I'm going to preface this with probably a lot of people know Billy Connolly. You either love him or hate him. There's very little space for in between. Billy is a sarcastic Scottish bit of a jerk, but he's got a fabulous Glaswegian accent, and he's a comedian. If you can take a really dry sense of humor, you can, you can handle this. But if you can't take it, just skip this part of the episode entirely. Billy Conway Route 66 is where Billy is videoing his trip down the iconic road across the United States. And he makes all these little pit stops along the way. He goes to this famous bar, this famous restaurant, this pit stop where you see the momentous this, that, or the other. And yes, it's all lots of fun. He he gives his opinion along the way, but my favorite part so far was Billy was in a a motorcycle accident you know, that happens when you ride a motorcycle or it's a potential happening yeah, (laughs) and he had a uh, broken rib. Well, he was driving through Navajo territory at the time (laughs) and he got the uh, privilege of having a medicine man perform a ceremony a healing ceremony for him and he did say with all sincerity that he feels very privileged for it he doesn't know if it's going to work, but they are going to allow the TV crew to view part of the ceremony, but for a certain portion of the ceremony, the medicine man does not want video because he feels it takes away from the ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he says this medicine man doesn't speak a word of English. And what I loved was you could see them inside of the shelter, the earth shelter, and Billy sitting there with a feather in one hand and a crystal in the other. You've got guys going on the drums in the background, a fire going in the middle. The medicine man's going away, and then all of a sudden you hear this, and everybody sort of like stops and looks around. And then the medicine man reaches into his pocket and pulls out a cell phone, looks at it, flips it, holds it up to his ear. Starts talking. Starts talking. Obviously, not. (laughs) Navajo looks at it again, closes it, puts it back in his pocket. And the whole time, Billy's just sort of, like, sitting there holding the feather and the crystal and sort of looking around (laughs) at each other going, um... What am I supposed to do? Intermission? Or are we still going? (laughs) And then the medicine man puts puts it in his pocket again, and then he just picks up where he left (laughs) off. And I just thought, you know what? Freaking sign of the times. Yep. In the middle of a Navajo... Medicine man, you know, healing ceremony, you get interrupted by a cell phone call.
0: This does need to be prefaced by anybody that wants to watch it. It is on the UK website. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's it's ITV from the UK, and it's kind of like Hulu. You have to either be in the UK or have a VPN for the UK to be able to watch it.
2: And by the way... It is October. Halloween is coming. So, what are you doing for your costumes this year? And does knitting play any part in it? We were talking about this earlier. And yeah.
1: Well, for one, if you haven't, if knitting is playing a part in your costume, I hope to hell you have started. Yeah.
2: Otherwise, you better pull out the really super big chunky needles. Yeah. And the rope yarn. Yeah. But we were discussing this earlier and thinking about different things you could do. Yeah. I mean, Molly Weasley would be a great.
1: Oh, yeah. Knitter
2: costume, but that is definitely a costume you needed to have
1: started a while ago. Yes, if you want to replicate her sort of cardigan
2: house coat. Obviously, Doctor Who's infamous scarf, but again... (laughs) You need to have started two years ago. Yeah, either that or you need to have... Or have a knitting machine. Or, you know, like captured some house elves and put them into knitting, i.e. your knitting buddies. Or I mentioned Wilhelmina Harker, in which case it would be a Victorian woman in mourning with a very long red scarf... And for that, the scarf probably only needs to be about, say, five or six inches wide. Mm-hmm. In bright red and just super, super long. So for that, just go for the chunky needles and the chunky yarn. I don't know. I can't think of anything else for for knitting.
1: Well, the only other thing I had was the... I would love to see someone do, like, angel wings. That's
2: right! But oh. knit in lace. That's right. That would be
1: really awesome. Especially with, like, idea. a feather, yeah. feather
2: lace pattern. That would be so, so cool. Like maybe stretched over a wire. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. stretched over the wire. So because that's... I thought of the alternative, which was the, cra- the path more crazy. <laughs> which was, you know how you can knit lace angels or designs like snowflakes and dip them into a cornstarch water mix mm-hmm. and then stretch them out and let them dry and they go stiff? Well, that would be too hard to do for a wing for somebody. Yeah. But it could be done for individual things feathers and then the feathers could all be grafted together somehow to make a wing and that would be so freaking awesome um obviously my also extremely crazy that is crazy but that's part of the awesome that comes with it this is my art university days coming back to me now i have a project how can i make it even more intensely crazy and awesome so that i am up for 36 hours straight on coffee coca-cola maybe cake mix and ramen. <laughs> this, this
0: reminds me of Easter a couple of years back with you on NyQuil. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, it's more like the NyQuil incident. Okay, there
2: you go. <laughs> so anyways, tell us about your Halloween costumes and if knitting plays any part in them. And if anybody tries out the uh, whole feather idea, let me know how it goes.
1: Yes, to back away from the crazy for a minute. On oh, i nuts. Anyway, I've got some upcoming geeky stuff, especially for people that tend to listen to us.
2: Only crazy people listen to us.
1: Well, people that listen to us also tend to be Disney Pixar fans. Oh, okay. So one thing that's coming up, apparently, is there was an article earlier this week that Disney is re-releasing other classic animated movies in 3D. And the first of them is going to be Beauty and the Beast on January 13th. Yay for you. (laughs) somebody's favorite. Yes, so there's Beauty and the Beast on January 13th, which I should mention I have actually seen in 3D because a few years ago, I think it was the anniversary of uh, when the movie came out. I bet the cabaret scene was awesome for that. The, oh, the Be beer guess. Guests. Oh, yes. It was actually in IMAX 3D. Oh. The only problem is when you go to the movies, you can't sing along. Yeah, strangely oh. enough. Damn them. Um, they need to have a special sing-along screening. If anybody we know manages a movie theater, start that. But yeah, so that's coming out January 13th, 2012. Then in September... On the 14th, in 2012, they're releasing Finding Nemo. And the fish in, 3D. in the 3D thing is going to be nuts. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Then January 18th of 2013, they're releasing Monsters, Inc. And September 13th of 2013, they're releasing The Little Mermaid.
0: Disney does Rocky Horror. The
1: singing. <laughs> the
0: sing-along version. <laughs> the sing-along version. where audience participation. You know Sorry, what? But I, that...
1: bet, I bet that happened somewhere. I would love to show up in costume. The ball gown wouldn't exactly fit in those chairs but yes I I cannot wait to see it I have heard mixed sort of things about the Lion King in 3D but part of me is like I don't care favorite Disney movie (laughs) gotta go I'm going anyway and then also on a Disney Pixar and continuing with the Pixar theme there's actually an article that was in the New York Times online at least I don't know if it was the print version back in August which I just showed to Maggie tonight this is total squee worthy guys listen It's called Real Estate Looking Up, and the up is in quotes. And basically, what someone has done in Utah is they have built the house from up. It's a recreation inside and out. They have all the little knickknacks, like the
2: little bird that he has to pick up and uh, dust underneath and then put back and move
1: just so... Yeah. They have the the same chairs in the living room. And the gramophone. And the front of the house. And the mural painting. Yep. Oh. And the front of the house and the mailbox. Yeah. Looks the same, too. Like, it's the house. It's... And it's in real painted life. Painted in those colors. It's beautiful. I kind of looked at it and said, I
2: want one. I want that house <laughs> so I want bad. it for Christmas.
1: Apparently it's in a suburb of Salt Lake City, and at least as of the writing of the article, there hadn't really been any serious offers on the house. They were selling it for $400,000. <laughs> but They were also charging $10 for people to go in and look at it until it sells.
2: Yeah, but all of that money's going to charity.
1: Yeah, and we were saying earlier that it could probably make more than $400,000 if you sold the house plans for it.
2: Yeah, seriously.
1: Because really, like, the inside of the house, is gorgeous with all the the details and the moldings and stuff. And who would not want that house? It's made of happy. I want that house. (laughs) (laughs) Part of me is like, someone needs to buy it so it can be like an actual home. But then part of me is like, no, I don't want anyone to buy it because I want it. There's actually... And it's actually a slideshow on the New York Times site, which I'll link to. And the last picture they've actually got balloons tied onto the chimney. Not nearly enough to float the house off its foundations, of course, but still. And, I mean, if you had a house like that, who could resist? I'd buy the big tanks of helium and just keep (laughs) refilling them every couple days when they start to deflate.
2: Now, moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, today was an extra special day in that Karen and I got to do a yarn adventure together. Mm-hmm. And Karen got to experience my husband's agony whenever <laughs> he goes out with me. We went to the Needle Emporium in Ancaster, which is about 45-minute drive from here. Yeah, a little more. And my total intention was to buy a sweater's worth of Madeline Tosh. Because as a red-headed Aries, whenever I find a new drug, I have to dive into it and hit my head on the bottom of the ocean. This yes. is what I do. And since knitting that cowl, you have been seriously craving some I Madeline I have been Tosh. seriously craving Tosh. So I wanted a sweater of
1: Madeline Tosh, and my husband told me to go get it. <laughs> So, um... Yes, he actually shoved the money in her hands and told her to go buy it.
0: I'm an enabler, what can I say?
1: Obviously we need to clone him. Yeah, there are probably a lot of knitters out there
2: who are wanting to borrow you for a week or two.
0: The look in her eye scared me.
2: <laughs> Pimping your <laughs> husband
1: out to knitters.
2: As an enabler. Alright, anyway, so, we go to Ancaster. I've got the intention of getting this Tosh, and that's my drug, Tosh. That's like the street <laughs> slang for it. And you know what, we go in, and there. what's right at the front door in a huge display is the Knitter's Pride needles. Mm -hmm. Everybody, all the cool kids have the Knitter's Pride needles, especially the interchangeable sets. Mm -hmm. One of the knitters in our knitting group, uh, Michelle, that you've heard us talk about before, she has them. Everybody that has tried them has said that they are really, really nice, especially on the joints. I once. Yes. This is, this is not A subtle, you know, statement here. I'm as subtle as a rhino up the backside. So in the Tosh spectrum, I fluttered around a little bit like a hummingbird taking nectar from various different colors, and then walked up to Karen. With what looked like a bouquet of what nine different colors? Oh
1: God, yeah, nine or ten skeins of different colors. And said, "Okay, what works?" And thus started the long winnowing process. Yeah, we had to winnow stuff down, and of course, and and
0: then she uh, and let me guess, it goes down to two or three, and then she adds more colors.
1: Not quite. She got it down to one and And stayed that way for a little while. And And then was like, I'm going to go look at this again. (laughs) And I'm hollering at her across the store. It's like, Maggie, are you picking up more colors? (laughs) She's like, maybe. Because
2: colors don't look the same on the screen as they do in light. And then you've got the indoor lighting, the outdoor lighting, and what looks good on you. And I'm terrible with that. Yes, I do work in the art field. Yes, I'm a graphic designer. But I am obviously not a fashion person because being a redhead, I've always, I grew up, sort of trying to get the safe colors for redheads, which is evergreen, navy, black, and brown, which is a very subdued, sort of wardrobe. And I didn't start getting color into my wardrobe until I started dating my husband. So me picking out colors. As you wear a beige pants and oh, white, white shirt. shirt. It, it's because it, it was, this is Thanksgiving weekend and summer reared its head again. And this is what I had still available that wasn't put away in the Tupperware. So I walk up to Karen with this bouquet of all of these colors Which, majority of them were really good for me. It was just winnowing down which one was, you know, the really stellar one for the sweater that I'm looking for. And, by the way, in that spectrum, I had emailed out snapshots of the sweater options to various people going, Hi, can somebody help me make a decision here? Decisions for myself, not good at. We got it, we did get it narrowed down to one. And then, yes, about while Karen was making her decisions, I kept going back and yeah, grabbing ra- I'd run back stuff. up to her with something else and put it on my shoulder with my hair over it and said, what about this one? No, I like the one I like the other one we chose Okay, alright, ten minutes later Wait a minute, what about this one? I just found this.
1: Maggie, you've made your decision. So what, Buy it now before you can <laughs> change your mind. Yeah, so what <laughs> I
2: got, Tosh Marino in Boxwood, which is a lush, cool, evergreen color. And I'm very happy with it.
1: It wasn't that you had a whole bunch of colors that you weren't sure which one you liked. It's like you liked all of yes, them. Yes, I was did. Was the problem. I you did. should
0: share with eye makeup.
1: You can literally, I mean, the same way I was in front of that Cascade
2: display at the Knitter's Fair, that's yeah. me in front of the makeup displays in the department stores. See? And I also just wanted to mention something I got in the mail this week. It's been a good, it's been a good stash week for me. Yeah. Dang, my stash has like gorged itself. It exploded maybe a couple times over. I got in the mail from Cj pack This is Delight, which is a worsted weight, 85 Polwarth, and 15% silk. And it is in blush, which is a warm, light, pinky color. And it's pretty. It is pretty. I got Insatiable in the Celery colorway. (laughs) What? No comment. And this is Fine Alpaca Merino and Silk. And it is also worsted weight. And I got the Yarn Bases perplex in the colorway of Fairy Dust. And it is fingering weight. This is fine fingering weight.
1: Four hundred and fifty yards to yeah. what I'm assuming is a hundred grams gain. So.
2: And this is BFL.
1: <laughs> so it's pretty.
2: I think I'm gonna need some like little toozy millimeter
1: needles to knit this up on. Now <laughs> that you have these two drool over.
2: Yeah, I think my my yarn my yarn stash explosion is you know, is done now for the year. (laughs) Until, uh, you know, about Christmas time when...
1: So, of course, now that we've got all this lovely stuff that we have from today, we also like to occasionally think of giving back.
2: (laughs) Yes. It is Thanksgiving. (laughs) We are thankful.
1: And I have actually been craving some knitting with worsted weight yarns and knitting really warm things. But, of course, I have a lot of single skeins of worsted weight yarns. And I have some leftover yarn from a sweater that I did a while ago. So one place that I'm looking to use those yarns for, something called Mm WoolAid.org. They also have a Ravelry group. I think they pretty much started on Ravelry and basically what they are is a group that works with different charities or especially with like local health organizations in different areas of the world and they collect items to donate for a number of different places in the world. They've got a few going on right now to donate to a group in Tibet. They've done stuff for Afghans for Afghans before. They're also collecting stuff right now for Innu communities in Ontario and Labrador yep. here in Canada and they can use all kinds of different items. They have their guidelines posted on their website. But one of the nice things is... Basically, they need all sorts of different items. And you can send stuff to them at any time. So it's, it's not like some campaigns where they need very specific items. And you need to knit like crazy so you can make the deadline. This way, you can knit... Whenever, stuff whenever you can and send it to them and they will either direct it toward a specific campaign if you ask or you can also donate stuff to whoever needs it most or for any future campaigns that come up which is it's not something that a lot of charities can do because a lot of them don't have the space to store stuff right luckily they do and if you're not
2: confident enough to knit socks or mittens or a sweater I think it is the group that's on Ravelry will accept the 10 inch squares
1: yeah they do have links there within the the list of campaigns and stuff for groups that are doing squares for baby blankets and things, or have done. In which case, you'd want to check that group and see if there's a current campaign going on and what they're looking for. Most of the stuff they ask for to be done in at least a worsted weight or heavier. Yeah. Like even socks to be done in a worsted weight or heavier. Because a lot of places, even the communities in Canada, sometimes they don't have indoor heating. Yeah. So they need sweaters and stuff to layer on indoors as well as outdoors. So if you have like leftover worsted weight from a sweater, I know I have quite a bit of leftover worsted weight yarn from a Central Park hoodie that I did because the yardage amounts were off, so I can probably get another kid's sweater out of that.
2: Okay.
1: And they have lots of suggested patterns on there. They On the Ravelry group they have spots where they'll announce campaigns or different drives that they're doing. Sometimes they do them amongst their members just to try and get more hats and things like that without yep. a specific place that they're going to send them just yet. And they have lots of suggestions for patterns in the Ravelry groups, photos of what people have done to sort of inspire you. There's a lot of different patterns for using up oddballs. Just be careful to check the guidelines to make sure that you have obviously they're looking for yarns that have a high wool content they usually prefer nothing nothing with more than about 20 percent of man-made fibers because obviously they need wool and as um, afghans for afghans has said in a lot of places they don't have washing machines so felting is not a problem and then also just for our canadian listeners one of the groups they work with that i was mentioning the ones that Work with the Innu people in uh, Ontario and Labrador and, and uh, a few other native groups in different areas of the country. They're called the Warm Hands Network, and there is a link to them on the Wool Aid website. Just mentioning them separately because, of course, Wool Aid is centered in the United States. So if you're going to send things to Warm Hands, you might want to check out the Canadian website because their collecting place is in, on, is in Ottawa. There's a few stores that will actually collect materials. So to save on shipping... And so that then the charity doesn't have to spend more money sending it from, say, the States to Canada. You could probably check their website and check out their shipping address. So it's not making quite so much. Your items are not making quite so much of a trip. And, of course, with both groups, they could also use cash donations as well to help yeah. pay for shipping. Or I know with Warm Hands they were saying they are also looking for cash donations to help buy, like, boots. So if you want if you want to find that group, again, it's WoolAid.org. It's W-O-O-L-A-I-D. A-I-D... Dot .org or search for wool aid on Ravelry and you can find the Ravelry group. And I think that's it for this week.
2: Yep, I hope everybody has uh, a
1: happy Canadian Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, we will be sleeping off the food coma from peeing out on Thanksgiving. And just again, we'd like to say how thankful we are for all our listeners.
2: Yes, we are. And I'm also thankful for the admin monkey holding the uh, microphone this time. Thank you, you, admin (laughs) monkey. It seems that with the tech holding the microphone, the microphone decided to behave.
1: So thank you, admin (laughs) monkey, for allowing this podcast to get out this week. All right, guys, we made
2: it. Lucky number thirteen. We are done.
1: We don't have to deal with number thirteen again for another hundred episodes.
2: Stick a fork in me. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Be good or don't and send us the pictures. Bye
1: bye. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. For show notes or to comment, you can visit our blog at geek 2mtpocketsorg That's K N I T one, G E E K m t dash P O C K E T S dot O R G. You can also email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Ravelry group. Just search under groups for knit1geek2. You can also find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Thanks for listening.
0: This is Admin Monkey. Fuck you, Mike Work. <laughs>
1: This is the bullshit segment. This is just too weird. I've got an Apple it's box. episode 13, too. I
0: know, it's episode 13. Steve Jobs has passed away, you? and the Apple products are starting to fail. Yes. Yes.
1: If something goes wrong with my iPod, I'm going to scream, because I don't have money to replace
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> a Kobe is like 50 bucks, compared I to I a don't 300. Like iPod. Everybody does. <laughs> Jobs made a good product.
1: Though so, you know, if, if something happens with my iPod, it, it's more likely because it's six years old.
2: You know what? I will totally freak if that thing doesn't continues to work just because you're here. Because mm-hmm. sometimes tech does that.
0: I was going to say, and you would be surprised why. Well, if y'all want to, just kind of sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is going to be a three
1: person podcast this week.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a voyeur podcast because Trace is going to watch.
0: You will know. When, <laughs> when have you ever known me to sit around for a couple of hours and not open it's my It's going to be
1: two girls and Trey's just watching. <laughs> yeah. No, more likely to be Karen and Maggie podcasting with our human mic stand.
0: Because it's working. <laughs> God.